Hey you, my name is Deborah Schwartzben and you're listening to episode two of Deb's Discussion. Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well today. It's been a while since I sat down last to record and a lot has changed since then. I have grown quite a following on TikTok of about 76,000 followers, which is pretty crazy to me. And we have a new president, both very significant factors in my life. If you would have told me a few months ago that I would have had this following now, I never would have believed you. I've been working towards this for about a year and a half, and it's pretty great to be finally growing this movement over social media and having like-minded individuals find my page and find my content and try to get involved in this movement I'm working on. What I mean by movement I'm working on is that rather than fighting my individual fight as I have been for the past year and a half, having conversations with people I come into, changing individual minds, I am scaling up this entire movement. I am bringing it to social media full force. I am working on branding it and all of the things that come along with that because I really believe in what I'm doing right now. I think I have quickly propelled to the face of this movement about being outspoken about your political beliefs and not being afraid of what people will think of you. In college, I feel that it's kind of given that you're in a liberal echo chamber and you shouldn't really expect to find that many conservative voices around you. It would be great if there were, but just based off the way institutions run and the professors that they hire, it's very unlikely for you to hear conservative ideas or to encounter people who support these types of ideas. And the thing that's been getting scary for me is that I don't think this is stopping after university. I think this type of echo chamber is continuing into every institution, every field of work, any situation that you encounter in life. And that's really terrifying because dissent is what America was founded off. Political dissent, conversations of different opinion, different minds, learning new things. We are not all a homogeneous society. America is known as the great American melting pot. And this push to have only one type of popular ideology should scare everyone on all sides of the aisle. So that's where I've come in lately, just from putting my ideas out there on social media, not saying anything even that crazy controversial, just basic ideas that I still hold that are no longer the norm in society, brings thousands of people to support me because these ideas are so rare for many reasons. One, not that many people post about it for fear of backlash, but even bigger than that is censorship. People aren't seeing conservative ideas at the same rate that they're seeing liberal ideas because there's an algorithm on every single social media platform. There are creators who have an agenda that do not want you to see certain things. And that's not controversial. That's the hard truth. Conservatives have been censored across all social media platforms in the past few months, unlike we've ever seen before. Yes, I could get into a whole conversation about Donald Trump being banned from Twitter and what the future of our country will look like now that he lost, but I'm going to save that for next episode. Make sure you're subscribed. I will release that next week, hopefully. But in this episode, I really want to focus on my story. I've gotten asked so many times about how I used to be a liberal and now I'm a conservative. What changed for me? How did I grow up? What were my mindsets? What are my beliefs? And I really want to dedicate this podcast episode to explaining that, having that laid out for everybody. And yeah. So hello, my name is Deborah. If you didn't already know that, it's very nice to meet you. I am currently a junior in college studying government and politics, and I was born and raised in New York City. So I was raised as a modern Orthodox Jew. I attended yeshiva my entire undergraduate education. If you guys don't know what that is, it's just Jewish school, basically, Hebrew and English learning. 
but throughout my upbringing, I was never truly exposed to a conservative idea. When I think back on it, the first time I ever heard a conservative idea was my senior year of high school. During my senior year of high school, I decided to sign up for an AP US government class that was taught by a female professor that I was very excited for. Prior to taking this class, my ideas pretty much lined up with all of the neoliberal ideas. I was pro-Hillary Clinton. I really wanted her to win the election. I was very sad when she lost the election. I thought building a wall was inhumane and made you a horrible racist person. I thought LGBT communities deserve to express themselves and that gender pronouns were a right for individuals. And I could continue down the list, but that's basically the gist of it. I think you can understand based off those beliefs kind of where else I fell on the spectrum. So during this class, I had a few group of friends of guys who would sit in the back of the classroom and they were very Republican, very pro-Trump. And in 2016, I don't think even Republicans were pro-Trump at the time. But these guys would sit in the back of the classroom and would chant things like build the wall, lock her up, Trump 2016. And I would be sitting there mortified. How could these people that I'm good friends with, I know them on a personal level, how could they be so inhumane and so blatantly careless towards the lives of people around them and people less fortunate than them? I was truly shocked. I I could not put it together. Then I started giving them the benefit of the doubt and thinking, Listen, these are my good guy friends. They're stand-up guys. They're good souls. They would not support something that hurts someone else. Let me look into their beliefs and form my own opinion on what they're saying. And so that's what I did. I stopped listening to The Daily Wire every day. I stopped watching CNN. I stopped following all of my news sources that were very left-leaning. And I started in the middle. I started listening to some Ben Shapiro, watching him destroy some students on YouTube. You know, everybody goes down that path, I feel like. I read Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. That was a phenomenal book. I started listening to different podcasts. Uh, Andrew Clavin is a phenomenal podcaster goals to be like him one day, but stuff that really made a difference to me. And as I continued down the path of doing my own research, something really struck out to me. I found a fact that said 300 Americans die from heroin overdose every single week, and 90% of all heroin originates from the southern border. You can find this information for yourself on whitehouse.gov. All of their information is up there. But that really stuck with me. The amount of heroin seized by the federal government in 2014 was enough to kill every single U.S. American citizen of overdose. That is absurd to me. Crazy. So these guys who have this whole time, I was looking down on them for saying build a wall at the southern border because I thought they were racist. Truly, they just care about Americans. They care about the safety of this country. They understand the facts about why a border wall would be necessary, about how much crime and how many drugs are trafficked through the southern border, how many illegal immigrants are already in this country that are just living here undocumented without proper access to healthcare or proper access to jobs. They're not paying taxes. A lot of problems for both the illegal immigrants and the government when we have people come into our country and don't file for citizenship. All of that aside, they were right to me. In my eyes, it is justified to build a wall at the southern border. Countries need strong borders and they should be able to monitor their borders and protect their citizens. And that doesn't really seem like a controversial or racist opinion to me. That seems like it's based off facts and evidence and empathy for the citizens who already live here. So in addition to that, abortion was really the argument that drove it home for me. At the time in my life, I was very liberal, as I stated earlier, and 
I really had uttered it to my friends multiple times. Like, I'm not going to lie to my audience right now. I had told my friends, God forbid you get knocked up. I will help you get an abortion. I will drive you there. I will do whatever you need of me. I will be a good friend because that's what all I knew at the time. I thought it was normal. I thought that's what girls do. I thought that's what friendship is, being there for your friends or that. And then as I started doing this research and thinking larger than myself and my current situation, thinking about the future of the world, thinking 20 years from now, 50 years from now, I, by the help of God, will have beautiful children one day. And if I have a daughter, it is my worst nightmare to think that my child, my 14-year-old daughter, could get pregnant and get an abortion without me ever knowing about it. That Planned Parenthood would assist her in getting an abortion is really scary to me. Some people like to give the argument that, oh, if you raise your daughter to have X, Y, and Z principles, then you won't have to fear that this will happen to them. But unless I remove all social media from her life until she's 18 years old, that's just not a possibility. Speaking about my hypothetical potential child here one day, I can raise her with all the God-given rights that I believe, and as a perfect human, I, in my eyes, I can raise her that way, but she still has a phone, she still will have a TV, she will be able to go on social media, talk to her friends, see what's happening. I can't control the culture of this country. And that's a sad truth nowadays. You can work as hard as you want to raise your children, but the culture of America has such a strong influence on the young minds of our individuals, you really can't limit what they're exposed to, and you can't control it. And that's terrifying as a parent to be one day, and I'm sure that's terrifying for all the parents who are right now, but that's really what changed it for me. I don't want to live in a world where that's normal, where that's okay, and that's when I really woke up and said, I can no longer align myself with the Democratic Party. I will not align myself with people who are blatantly anti-Semitic, have no regard for family life, have no regard for sanctity of our children, of our marriages, any of that. And so I left that party. So I quickly became a libertarian. I was still pretty socially liberal, but fiscally I was pretty conservative. And over the years, it's kind of just changed because of life experiences. Certain personal experiences, certain world experiences have really just shaped my social values. And I have gone back to valuing traditional values. I see the value in tradition, in gender roles, in strong families, in basing your life around having children and a good family and a good life. And that's what I want. That's what I want to live. And I'm not trying to force it on anybody else. I don't think anyone has to agree with me, but it's amazing that so many people do. And that really gives me hope for the future. The platform that I have been given the opportunity and been able to create and grow across social media is so inspiring to me. It's amazing. And I really think that we can take back this future. This path that I went down, I'm not alone. So many people have seen the holes in the Democratic Party and the dangers of this progressive society that we're heading down. I don't think progress is bad. I think progress is amazing. Right now is the best time to ever be born in the world, ever. We have incredible technology, amazing healthcare. We are working every day towards cures to modern illnesses. It's amazing. Science and the arts are alive and well. But on the social front, it's an entirely different story when it comes to progress. Pushing progress on a society that leads you away from a religious life, a life that's filled with morals and dignity, family values, that doesn't make for a better society. It is shown through time and time again. I have done my own research. You are free to do yours. But religion makes people 
better people. It makes people happier, which is very important for a good society. I believe if the citizens of a society are happy, society itself will work more cohesively and better. People will be kinder to one another. But religion also instills in you certain values that really make you into a certain type of person, a stand-up citizen. And not every person who's religious is a good person by any means. You could be a faith-believing person and still a horrible, horrible human being. That's between you and God. I'm not here to say that if you are religious, you are magically a good person. But if you really live a religious life with God's values in your everyday life, I do think you are kinder than the average person. And I do think that you will do more things such as charity or helping out strangers that do make the world better. So the progress that the left has been pushing, I don't think aligns with that. And I don't think it is encouraging our society to be better. And that's really why I came to the Republican Party. I want to be aligned with a side of the political movement that agrees with these family values that I have, that sees the value in religion, in having children, in working a job and working hard at what you do and being proud in your labor. I think that's very valuable. And I think that's more valuable than caring about what gender you are, putting so much emphasis on the race of your skin color, saying that it's female empowerment to not get married or to be sexually active with men who don't care about you, saying that being at an unhealthy weight is beautiful and empowering. All of these social concepts that the left has brought about over the past couple of years, I really don't align with and I don't see the benefit for our society as a whole. I think progress to a certain point is amazing and necessary and we should do everything in our power to instill progress in certain areas. But then it becomes a point where are we progressing us towards good change? Or is this just progress for the sake of change? Do you want to change gender constructs because it really would make us a better society? Would it really? You really think that men and women being able to play in each other's sports and having no gender roles is what's going to make society run smoother? If you do, power to you. I respect you for having such strong convictions. But I, in my heart and soul, I don't believe that. And that's why I feel so inspired to fight and stand out against that stuff. So just bringing it back to our point for a second, something I forgot to mention that was a big catalyst in my activism was when I was living in Israel. A lot of you guys don't know, but as I mentioned, I'm Jewish. And after high school, I took a year off to move to Israel and attend university there. I was on a program with other Americans where I worked the land. I was fortunate enough to travel abroad throughout Europe. Uh, mostly just did a lot of learning and found myself, found my relationship with God. It was incredible, and I'm so grateful for that experience. But that being said, while I was living there, there were rockets on my campus. And if you guys don't know, Israel is constantly under terrorist attacks from its surrounding countries. And at the time, there was two rockets. I heard the siren going off. I was getting ready in my dorm to go out that night. And I hear these sirens. And I look outside, and I see everyone running on my campus. And my heart just knew. It dropped. I didn't think. I ran out of my room. I ran to the bomb shelter. And as I'm running, I hear the first rocket exploded in the air. And even just thinking back on this time literally gives me chills. It was such a horrifying experience. I've never been in a situation that was truly, if you don't do this, you will die. It was traumatizing. But at the end of it, we stayed in the shelter for a few hours, waited for the shrapnel to fall down. And once they released us, I was shaken up. I looked around. I was like, this is absurd. How is this normal? If there were ever one rocket ever to come anywhere near U.S. soil, the country would be in ashes within minutes. 
So how does a country as small as New Jersey, Israel, in the Middle East, surrounded by terrorists on all sides, how are they okay with this? How do they put up with this? It was absurd to me. The Israelis on the program were just like, yeah, it's normal, whatever, keep going on with your life, you can't let it affect you that much. But it really affected me. And that really inspired me to come back to the U.S. to fight for Israel from a U.S. side. And as I got more involved in politics, it kind of pushed me to the conservative party more than I had ever been before, simply because of the pro-Israel stance. I'm in university right now, and I've taken quite a few classes on the relationship between Israel and the United States, likely or unlikely allies. I've examined the relationship from all points of view, partisan and nonpartisan, And I really can strongly and confidently say conservatives care about Israel. Democrats don't. And so for me at the time when I was a one-issue voter, that really decided it for me. I want to identify with a party that supports the country that I was living in, supports their right to protect themselves, and understands the importance of having a democracy in the Middle East. So that really was a huge push for me. And since then, it's becoming more commonly accepted that conservatives care about Israel and Democrats don't. And that's not to say that all Democrats don't care about Israel. Most Jews in the U.S. are Democrats because they're not very religious and they do support Israel. But the issue is when the leaders of the party are actively calling for the destruction of the state, they think that Israel must apologize before there were to be peace talks in the nation. All of those things really made me back away from the Democratic Party. I just didn't feel confident labeling myself with a party that identified with views that were so strongly opposed to my personal beliefs. So all in all, over the past few years, a lot of personal events have just shifted me. I've gone back and forth to being more conservative, more moderate, but I'm pretty sure this is where I'm going to stay on the spectrum for a very long time. I don't really see it changing uh, due to anything, really. I think that I can be moderate while still upholding my conservative values and still voting red because I think voting red helps America and I think voting blue doesn't. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter where I fall on the spectrum. I'm just very happy to be involved in politics. I think it's really good to be active no matter where you fall on the spectrum. I'm happy to register Democrats to vote. I'm happy to have discussions with people on all sides of the aisle. And the more educated we are as a society, the more informed we are, the more power we have. So wherever you fall on the political spectrum, when you're listening to this, just be active. Just continue fighting for whatever you believe in. I am proud that our generation is so active and so inspired to create change, and we should keep going with that. This podcast might have been a little bit all over the place just because I'm very excited to sit down and talk, but I have some really great episodes I already recorded that are coming to you guys soon. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Thank you so much for supporting me, and I will speak to you in the next episode. Bye!